0: Okay, today is September 7th, 2019, and we're pleased to be joined by the father-son duo of Ked and Brad Kalodner, Gentlemen, welcome to the Ozark Folk Center. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. So, uh, Brad, uh, you were here a couple years ago uh, with Charm City Junction,
1: That's right. Yeah, the summer of 2018, I believe. Just last summer, we were here with our group out of Baltimore, uh, an old-time Irish bluegrass quartet. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun to get to explore the area and play here at the Folk Center for the, not only an evening concert, but we did a whole weekend of string band classes, teaching banjo, fiddle, and guitar. It was great fun. So we're happy to be back here with this different ensemble. Yeah, it was a big weekend. I remember it
0: well. And Ken, we were talking earlier. Um, of course, you've been here to the Folk Center a number of times, but... Uh, our paths did not cross then, so welcome back,
2: and I'm glad to be here to see you. Yeah, it's great to be back. I guess I was here maybe eight, nine years ago, and then maybe 15 years before that. I can't uh, exactly remember, but always had a great time here. And you were here as part of the uh, Dulcimer Jamboree. Exactly. Teaching Hammer Dulcimer, and I taught some fiddle also oh, really? those, that weekend. Yeah, there was. A, they had like a one-period fiddle class.
0: All right, so I'm gonna ask you guys some really hard-hitting questions. Are you ready? We're nervous. Um, we have filed our taxes. <laughs> that's right. And that's we are have no warrants out for our arrest. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I noticed in my extensive research, research uh, before we sat down today, both of you uh, sort of got started in music a little later in your respective careers. That's correct. Uh, so I wanted to ask you both, uh, what
2: were your career paths before music? So I'll, I'll go first, since I was on this earth first, and uh, I was I had finished college and I was just ready to embark on a Ph.D. program at Johns Hopkins in a field called epidemiology and public health. Epidemiology is the study of what causes disease, and I had just picked up the fiddle at the beginning of my graduate school. Uh, days and by the time I finished, I was playing fiddle and hammered dulcimer. What was the impetus for the fiddle? I just you know, I, I actually in I had always loved bluegrass and old time, and not really even knowing what the differences were, were in in the styles and and Celtic music, Irish music, and and um, I um, just I went to college that had a conservatory music and just love violins and uh, music in general, and I. I, I had taken piano lessons as a kid and thought uh, I, I took, I lasted for about two months. And I thought music was never going to be in my future because I was just totally not interested. And uh, once, um, after, but after college, I said, uh, you know, maybe I'll pick up the fiddle. And so I started to teach myself and then found the Hammered dulcimer a couple years later. And um, by the time I finished uh, grad school, got my doctorate. I decided uh, I was playing with music with some other folks kind of Chris Norman and Robin Bullock in a trio called Helicon and we were doing world music kind of much like Brad's uh, Charm City Junction combining Irish and bluegrass and old time and, and music from just about anywhere and, uh, started, uh, going on tour. And, uh, so the whole career path of doing the PhD thing kind of got derailed. I did do some consulting along the way. I would, uh, carry a laptop with me and do a little bit of work on the road, but that was, uh, was basically doing music. So how old were you when that happened and what Year was that? So that was, let's see, it was 23 when I started to play the fiddle. And I'm now 65, so I had to do the math. But I guess in the early 80s is when I started uh, to play seriously wow, and, that and picked is, up the hammer That is late. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was that is a late. really late bloomer. Yeah, it is it is late. Yeah. And that's how I felt like my entire career I was trying to play catch up. <laughs> 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 you know, like learning theory and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That came later. Okay. First, yeah. So, uh, Brad, I
0: guess you were kind of the same way you were, although not quite as old as maybe your father, but in your late
1: teens, Yeah, I I don't have a PhD in my back pocket, (laughs) so I got the bug before I finished my graduate program. I've never gone to graduate school. I did go to (laughs) college, but, uh, yeah, I was actually a sports kid and really into like the Orioles, you know, we're from Baltimore. I just wanted to be like the play-by-play announcer for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, when I was a little kid, you know. But that that dream sort of continued into high school and college uh, in the sense that I wanted to be like a broadcaster or a personality on the news or something. i always enjoyed watching like the local news, even like as a 14 or 15-year-old. And so I went to school in Ithaca, uh, New York, at Ithaca College and studied in their broadcast journalism program and made some documentaries and was in the media side. So I was always interested in being a broadcaster and did all, you know, writing for the newspaper, working for the the TV station at the college. I, I hosted a radio program at the school, uh, which was a folk music program as I was just starting to get into playing banjo when I was a senior in high school. Um, and so this music, of course, has always been in my peripheries and I've grown up listening to it, whether I like it or not. Um, <laughs> and at a certain point, no I, I I fell in love with the banjo uh, as I started to play it with other friends and um, the social component of the music is really what hooked me, but, uh, prior to music, I was into broadcasting and wanted to be on TV and all that stuff. And eventually I, uh, um, just sort of diverted plans after college, after finishing school and getting a degree in, in television production and started to look around for jobs as a TV news reporter. The sports, really? huh. the sports dream started to fall away. I, I became a little bit more interested in, in nonfiction, uh, documentary work, um, news media uh and and journalism um and uh, still pay attention to sports a little bit but mostly (laughs) became more interested in the news side and then just kind of decided at one point that i don't really uh i guess i just love playing music more and that's what i wanted to pursue and my parents were supportive of that and Here I am today, touring around, playing music full-time with my dad and with Charm City Junction, and still have a bit of a role in the broadcasting world. I host a radio show in the D.C. area, a bluegrass and an old-time program twice a week um, that's syndicated on a couple of other stations as well. So I I am very happy to still have my hands in that world as a broadcaster, and I love curating music programs and interviewing and all the stuff that we do here on the radio station. Yeah, well, we
0: should probably visit a little bit. Uh, and maybe see if we can't get you involved in some Olar, Ozark Islands radio. Yeah,
1: sure. I mean, some it'd be bits. great. Yeah, yeah I've that's got right a, up your alley. A couple of programs that might be great fits for this station.
0: So <laughs> that's interesting. I, without going into t- too much detail on this, I kind of went the opposite way you did. I, when I was in college, I was a music. I was a percussion major hmm. for two and a half years, and when I got literally halfway through, I kind of had a freak out moment. And I thought, you know what? I don't need a degree to get a job playing music, Hmm. but I do probably need a degree to get a job doing (laughs) something else. So Mm. I transferred from a percussion major to broadcasting. Oh, wow. And so, uh, all right. So I wanted to sort of ask you both this question then. Um, What was... musically obviously Brad there was a lot going on your dad was full time a musician right. when you were growing up so what was Brad what was his level of
1: listen to this wouldn't you like very, very minimal, uh, in the sense that there was never a time where I my sister was a couple years younger, uh, neither of us felt like it was being pressed on us that we participate. That said, the music was around, you know, it was, it was always they, around, they, they were, there were lessons in the living room every day. <laughs> uh, so there was not an intentional pressure, but there certainly was a Presence that could not be missed in the house. Uh, eventually, he was kicked out to the garage where there's now a music <laughs> studio triddle. that they've converted into a, a lesson <laughs> space. Um, but that was my mom's decision, probably more so than ours. But we, wouldn't, know, we, we wouldn't still be married. I yeah, think, we, we, moving we, into the garage. We appreciated the music. Uh, my sister played a little bit more than I did when I was growing up. She played fiddle and, and I played cello, so I was still playing music, but. Um no, I didn't feel any any pressure. I imagine um, it I never was have. Slowly seeping in though. S- certainly. I mean, being around the music every day uh gave me a, a great foundation on which to build, you know, this career, not just understanding how the music works, but also as a full-time musician understanding how to make, you know, all these pieces put, you know, fit fit them together to make a career out of this. Yeah. Um so certainly I'm very grateful for that, but being around the music and all the different styles of music that were in the house Um, Not just old time. Um, In fact, there wasn't really much bluegrass, which is something that I've sort of brought into our ensemble. I don't really play straight-ahead bluegrass, but I I enjoy bluegrass music, and uh, I've brought that into our ensemble a bit more, more improvising solos and things like that. But we, uh, yeah, I'd I'd never really um, felt like I was there was any pressure, you know, which I think is nice in some ways, you know. the intrinsic motivation is really what uh, got me hooked. You know, just that banjo was my thing. You know, my, my dad doesn't play banjo. Nope. And I actually wasn't really exposed to much banjo music, old time, claw hammer, uh, banjo growing up. I hardly heard of it when I first heard uh, my uh, first banjo teacher playing it at a music camp up in Maine when I was 17. So I think the the uniqueness of the banjo and then starting to recognize like, oh, these tunes actually sound pretty familiar. And I already have a good sense of how you know rhythm and phrasing and dynamics, all this stuff that I didn't even realize I was kind of learning along the way, just being present and paying attention,
0: so Ken, do you remember um when he sort of had that epiphany or when the switch was flipped a little bit? you were probably watching it from afar and then slowly saw
2: the transition, so what I saw was uh Uh, Brad came to a music camp with me in Maine and uh, was going to, he signed up for the penny whistle and uh, harmonica Kind of innocuous. Well, instruments yeah. you could stick in your pocket yeah. and voice, you know. And then the penny whistle class was full, so he ended up taking the, the banjo class with this guy, Rishi Stearns, a great old-time banjo player. And uh, and at, at the end of the week, he he said, uh, you know, I think I want to continue with banjo. So we, a friend, uh, I, I borrowed a banjo from a, a friend and uh, went all through high school, and um, the end of high school, rather, and then through college. And uh, I remember specifically having a conversation with my wife when Brad sort of announced that he wanted to pursue music and she was kind of nervous about it. And I said, no, I think, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be really good. And um, so, yeah, I I can remember that discussion and, and, uh, uh, and I worked out. Yeah.
0: It did. It did quite well. Um, Both of you are multi-instrumentalists, but Ken, I guess for you, is it safe to say hammered dulcimer is your home instrument? Yeah, that's
2: my main instrument. That's what I focus
0: on. And yes, absolutely. And we'll also hear uh, in the performance this evening,
2: and we heard this afternoon, the ambira. Right. So I, I was out in the West Coast in uh, Oregon, and I saw this guy playing this bizarre instrument um, and uh, it turns out it's it's called a hammered imbira. And, okay. this, and this guy had the idea to capture the sound of the African instrument known as an imbira MBIRA, also known as kalimba. Many people know it as the thumb piano. that's well right. I was going to say yeah the yes. thumb piano And uh, he uh, decided to try and capture the sound of the instrument in the layout of a hammered ulcimer. so it's it's basically a hammered dulcimer with metal rods and uh, it sounds a little bit like an imbura and a steel drum kind of all mixed together. It has crazy overtones and it's, it's so much fun to play. Yeah. It's a great sound. What's the scaling on that? This, it's, it's tuned like a smaller version of a hammered dulcimer, So it's tuned diatonically, meaning by, by keys. And uh, so playing chromatics are a little tricky. Um, and it has a limited range. Uh, but, uh, when is, we, o- is it two octaves? It one is, octave? Yeah, it's about two octaves in, depending on what key you're in. Um, two octaves, a little bit over two octaves in the key of G and then key of D is almost two octaves and key of C almost two octaves. And, uh, yeah. when we started, um, w- when I first started to play it with, um, in, the, in, the, uh, with Brad, it was really, I just would do a solo on the instrument. And then one day we st- we started playing around actually with the gourd banjo. It's gonna say, and that uh, sound was just magical. And and then we had uh, added Alex with the bass, and then and now we've we've really uh, incorporated quite a bit. In fact, on our next recording, uh we've got what three pieces? Three or four, three pieces, or four pieces with pieces. the gourd banjo. Right. Gourd yeah. banjo and the hammered and beer and hammered and yeah. beer. Right. Yeah. So we've really embraced that combination. Yeah.
0: that's that. Yeah. I mean, they're almost made to go together. It seems like. Yes. Uh, and Brad, for you, um, you know, obviously banjo is your home instrument, but uh, you play other things as well.
1: Yeah, sort of per the old time tradition. Right, it's fun to be in a jam setting and whatever instruments needed. You, know, you almost have to do it. Right? Yeah, so I, I banjo is certainly what I can speak most eloquently with, um, and um, feel most comfortable playing in any kind of situation whether it's a a jam or in concert or or walking up to a bluegrass jam or even an irish jam sometimes but i play uh, old time fiddle as well and uh, play guitar you know mostly just playing in my banjo lessons with my students or accompanying songs And then I also play upright bass every now and then, uh, mostly just in jams. You know, we have a a weekly jam that my father and I host in Baltimore that gets anywhere from 40 to 60 musicians who come out every every other Tuesday at this local restaurant. And that's been a great place for us, not only socially to unite the local old-time community, but also... Uh, to give us an opportunity to learn new tunes and play other instruments. So I've essentially learned how to play upright bass just so I can play it at this weekly jam. And it certainly helped my fiddling and uh, being able to lead a jam. So yeah, I, I mostly play fiddle guitar bass uh, socially and then banjo is what I do socially. <laughs> and social then also instrument. for, you know, for my living, but, uh, and I sing as well. And I've been working on that for the past few years. So,
0: um, I want to ask you this as of the dynamic of the father son thing here, uh, imagine, you know, the two of you were in a band and didn't know each other at that level. Uh, and were just like, you know, bandmates from elsewhere. How do you, I'm wondering this, I don't know exactly how to ask this question, but the father son dynamic, you know, there's that where it's like, each of you would get frustrated with each other just on that level like, oh, here he goes again, you know, just the basic stuff, you know, with bad habits or whatever. And then that can get exacerbated in a band setting because it's like, oh, so how do you guys
1: handle that? I tell him what to do and <laughs> then he does it. <laughs> I probably tell tell him what to do more. Really. He does, actually. I probably boss <laughs> I him know. around. I think uh, it's, it's a good question. You know, it's not something that I consciously think about much, but uh, it is interesting. I, I think... Because we do this for a living, we take it very seriously and in the sense that we don't, um, I don't know, we try to still keep our like business caps on and make sure that we're always very professional and um, even with our bandmates and everything that we're still, you know, interacting as if we were in just a professional- Well, I do that mostly to get his attention, as he said earlier, he's sixty-five, so you never get it. But anyway, I, you know, I, I don't know. We we probably have slightly different perspectives on this, but I, um, I think we spend so much time together as a sort of a touring business, kind of professional relationship that, um, it it doesn't always feel like it's a father-son dynamic in that way, and it's just we're just more like you know good partners for this. endeavor but at the same time it's also really comfortable and easy yeah, so we can right. just sit in the car for hours and it's easy just to you know there's no like talk awkward. or not talk or whatever. it never really yeah. feels like awkward or no. uncomfortable around each other well, what's so your take yeah. on that
2: yeah i think i think brad what brad said is is accurate i think we um work well together we you know it's it's that we decide together what's going to happen and brad might suggest something and i might suggest something different and we work it out just like any other two uh, partners would in a band. As you know, if you've ever played in a band, anyone that's played in a band, it's a lot of communication that has to take place. And you got to learn to talk to each other
0: well i bet there's a lot of people that will be listening to this to think there's no way on earth i
1: could be in a band with my father <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And vice versa probably. Hey, right. Yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. well, we know. have a lot of similar interests outside of music it's too true. so it makes yes. it really easy to just uh, socially and whatever and and, and i am for, very fortunate to have a good relationship with both my parents and yeah. uh, works out well being able to spend time together on stage and off stage um, but I you know it I, I will say though it's not as like our relationship isn't as like cute or you know uh, I don't it just isn't really you know sometimes I think it can come off like uh, the father-son thing is this sort of like hook or selling point for us we don't really play it up no, on stage don't. and yeah. we try not to you know we do you know I don't like call him dad like every you know third word you know <laughs> yeah, when we're on stage or anything yeah. and he doesn't call me son you know yeah. it's it's not it yeah we, we're very uh we actually don't i honestly don't think about it that much when we're playing on stage i don't either the fact well that's that, perfect that's yeah. a father son thing
2: right. i would agree with that I, th- I just think of trying to make the best music we can yeah. and have and having fun doing well it. yeah and let me just say i mean you're fortunate that
0: you guys have as a not everybody can do that. So kudos Absolutely. to you both. Yeah. I know. Thank you. And yeah, you're very fortunate. Um, so last sort of family thing I want to ask, what is uh, the origin of the Kolodner name?
2: Ah, uh, it's uh, probably Russian. And uh, actually just yesterday, someone sent me an email, uh, a long lost cousin. And uh, we have a family tree that goes back to 1800s, and I think we came over some time in the late 1800s. And uh, so, uh, my background is Jewish, and um, and uh, yeah, that's basically so it. Russian Jew. Russian Jew, yeah, and we don't know much more other than this family tree that we have. Interesting. Yeah. Kolodner
1: yeah. may mean cold it in might Russian. Mean, that's, 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 right. what, that's what we've determined. I have, have we know had a couple Kolod of who friends who speak, speak Russian, and they it's say Kolodner cold. is very similar to the okay. word for and cold. And there's also
2: a town in um, uh, called Kolod. Which, I'll buy that. Yeah, so we, we just made that up. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> <right>? no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll buy as that. as much as we know. Yeah, we really don't know
1: much. Of our name. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, my... I have Russian Jew, Jewish, uh, heritage in my family and Mm -hmm. Polish Czechoslovakian. So everybody asks me, I just say I'm Euro trash. Right. (laughs) That
2: would probably be, uh, you know, on my family tree, I think folks come from all over Eastern Europe and, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: okay. So, uh, Baltimore is where you guys call home, obviously. Um, this, this is kind of a big question here. So, Uh, I'm curious, uh, I know you guys are real active in the old time scene there now, there's a lot going on, Mm -hmm. Um, and Ken, you can probably speak to this a little bit better, uh, just because of your advanced age, Mm -hmm. Uh, what is the sort of history and tradition of old time uh, and traditional American music in Baltimore?
2: I think in Baltimore it was it was pretty uh, well. There's a, there's a long history of uh, especially bluegrass and old time, uh, but uh, most of it was sort of underground, uh, you know, in people's homes and um, so it's. I think it's much more open today, uh, out in the open, and uh, you know we've we've Brad and I have worked hard to do that. We started an old time festival uh, last year, and uh, but but bluegrass has had a long history in the in the area, and I don't know if you want to talk
1: about. Yeah, I've done a bit of research on the history yeah. of, of old time music and bluegrass in, in Baltimore. There's a great book out there called Bluegrass in Baltimore written by a that's, Baltimore I, author named yeah, Tim Newby. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's a really interesting book. Uh, bluegrass um, is interesting in Baltimore because a lot of folks from Appalachia moved to the cities looking for jobs in the concrete factory and looking for work in the big city. Baltimore is really a blue collar town traditionally. And so uh with their migration to the city, they brought music, but as my father said, it was a bit more underground. It was in, played in like smaller uh, like uh, bars or small clubs, and it wasn't out in the open like it is today. Hmm. Um, and then if you go way back, um, actually, the banjo was first mass-produced in Baltimore. Uh, the first banjo company in the world um, to make them on a large scale was in downtown Baltimore, and they were called Boucher banjos, and they were. It was probably around the mid nineteenth century. Um, there were minstrel shows, like there were in many big East Coast cities, and that's where the banjo really, you know, rose to prominence in Goodness. the country. And so that was, uh, you know, right in Baltimore, where some of these banjos that were then being dispersed all over the region. Um, so there's a long history of the banjo in Baltimore, which is something that I've learned over the years, which is really fascinating as a banjo player now in Baltimore. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of, you know, the, the bluegrass and old time scene evolving over the years, there are still some folks from those earlier generations of players around. Um, but a lot of the people who play now or um, have come to the music in other ways, not necessarily through like the the same lineage of folks who've been in Baltimore and you know, a lot of people have moved there over the years. Um, but there's a great scene there now, mm. and we're really happy to be, um, right there at the heart of it organizing events and bringing people together around the music. And because of its proximity to the mountains and other big East coast cities, it's a really great place for this music to grow.
0: Yeah. We have an interpretive panel by the, on the concession stand side of the theater here, which, <clears throat> folks listening that means absolutely nothing but uh i'm wondering uh the boucher banjo company that's a fun word to say mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah boucher t- yeah <laughs> um was that i mean there was a huge banjo craze mm-hmm. uh and was that part of that i mean you, there yo, was. Yeah. there's a picture like i was mentioning in this panel where they there's banjos from you know every size to a three inch head to a 25.
1: Years. Yeah. You might
2: have a Boucher banjo yeah. p- picture because they, they were very well known.
1: Yeah, and they, uh, he was a, a drum uh, manufacturer for the, he's selling drums to the military. And so when the banjo started to become more popular, he recognized those a business opportunity to just slap a neck on the, the drum head. <laughs> and then you'd have these banjos that you can mass produce. So that was definitely a, a lead up to the banjo craze.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense now. Um, so in, maybe we can talk about sort of in not necessarily this particular group, but I'm curious, uh, you draw from a, as you mentioned, a, a wide variety, uh, and backgrounds, world music, all, all sorts of different things. Uh, how do you guys go about sort of your tune selection and arrangement? Uh, either as a duo or in this quartet? What's your approach there?
2: Well, I I think we we each bring different tunes to uh, the group and, um, you know, try them out with each other. And sometimes the tune will stick and other times not. Um, We both write uh, original music and um, Brad has especially been writing more uh, these days. And um, I haven't been writing as much, but on each recording that we've done, uh it features uh several originals of each of ours. And um so it's just it's a negotiation. One of the things Brad has done more recent times is uh more more songs and uh some uh singer songwriters uh, like uh um Kate Wolf um uh, across the Great Divide. We just recorded that. And um what
1: else? We've done a Gordon Lightfoot song Gordon Lightfoot, on our last that's recording. Right. That's right and um, with my other group Trump City Junction we've done John Prine stuff so there's a lot of singer-songwriters that I grew up listening to in addition to the folk music that was around the house um, that really has hooked you know, hooked me. But uh, in terms of our, our like our repertoire, we we don't necessarily limit it to purely old time music. It's really fun to try other textures and other sonic atmospheres with these unusual instruments. You know, in the sense that you know we don't have your typical old time band lineup. So I don't think there's any expectation that we're just going to play fiddle tunes all night. Um, right. And it, and and frankly, that's that's as fun as that is. It's really it's really exciting for us to try to um, discover new. Sounds and new interpretations of these old melodies that have been around for many generations. So, usually it's just like a tune that strikes our, you know, fancy and we just start learning it on our own independently. I'd say very rarely do we hear a tune together and then both think, oh, this could be a great tune for our combination. Usually it's just like one of us uh, hearing a song or a tune and then just trying it out, um, with, with each of us, um, with our different instruments, you know, because I play banjo and gourd banjo and some fiddle, you know, and, and other things. And my father plays, you know, the, the fiddle and the dulcimer and the embira. there's many different ways that we can combine those to fit a song that maybe is really exciting to us. Right. And sometimes the tune will start out as one combination
2: and, and we'll shift to another combination and realize this is where it belongs.
0: So tell me, uh, on the set list, uh, from this afternoon and what you'll be doing tonight, maybe I'll, each of you can speak to one song that you're
2: just really enjoying playing these days and why? Well, I always love playing one of my tunes (laughs) and that is, uh, a one uh, called the Swift house. I always look forward to, to playing that with, uh, the ensemble and, um, and I don't know if we're going to do some... And, and this features the, the gourd banjo, a bass, and hammered and bura. And I'm going to just say another one that I really enjoy is... Um, I really enjoy doing Coleman's March Snake River Reel, uh, which is, starts with a slow piece and, uh, and then goes ends with fast with a Rachel playing fiddle as well and a fast fiddle tune. And I think it, it's a nice... Uh, it shows what, what uh, the, the diversity of, of the group.
1: Uh, Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I like playing my tune as well, one of my originals. Um, I think lately um, one of my favorite tunes to play is one that we just recorded on our new album. It's called Wisteria, and it's a tune I wrote pretty recently. It's still sinking in. I'm Mm -hmm. still thinking about how the arrangement goes as we're playing it, so it's not cemented. Um, But it's one that we recorded on our new album, and it features the hammered imbira, and then I'm on banjo. Um, It's actually one of the first tunes we've done with the – hammered and beer and banjo combo as opposed to the hammered imbira and, and gourd combo right once you start adding all these instruments the number yeah. of variation uh, yeah anyway so uh we recorded that with our bass player alex on uh playing bass on that one as a trio and it's a very mellow kind of floats along really peacefully it's just got sort of a hypnotizing kind of groove and uh it's a tune that came to me earlier this year, just sitting out in my backyard. Uh, so I was watching the wisteria vine on my uh, pergola just grow up against the side, and then I wrote it sort of as a lullaby for the wisteria vine. So yeah, it's a fun, it's a fun melody. And, and I would just add, it's a really tough question to answer because I look at the set list and I
2: I get excited as we move down the list. That's good. Yeah, I, I mean, there's n- and no tune, it's or no piece that I do go. Oh, we're doing that again tonight. You know, I just—I never think of that. I never feel like I'm going through the motions. Well, that's good. It yeah. means you've got a good
1: set list. Again. Yeah. And as a collaborative, you know, process, you know, we're the band leaders, but you know, our fiddler and bass player Rachel and Alex also we'll input. will have input as to you know what tunes and songs they like or don't like. You know, so it's it's really it's fun when it's a team effort in that regard. I mean, we, I've usually put the set list together, but we always run it by everybody and make sure that it's all flows nicely. And, uh, it's, it's really, we, we're very much value having a varied show and, and not getting into a rut during the concert just for our own enjoyment too so we frequently will pick up other instruments you know one tune after the other which is kind of exhausting after a while <laughs> <It's>, tuning <laughs> in some in some ways it's it's fun to play in a band where you just have one instrument and you same tuning and you're just playing the whole show like that but uh it that it's actually really fun to kind of mix it up with other instruments and different textures and i think it keeps it really entertaining for the crowd as well and
2: i will I'd, 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 I'd add to that that um yeah, I, I doubt that we ever do the same set, um, you know, even weeks apart. It ends up being different almost every night. Slightly different. Slightly different. Like I mean, one we have, or, we one have, or two things if well, from there's from one yeah. night to the next. But well, we've, we've turned over quite a bit if you look back six months yeah, ago. Yeah, because mean, of our turn, new recording. Right, we've, we've, really we've turned over a lot of the repertoire. And I think that's how you, you keep a band fresh, Yeah, when a band just
1: does the same. There goes the Rolling Stones. still but satisfaction. That, yeah, <laughs> but that speaks, I think, to the style of music. I mean, old time sure, music right. and bluegrass and roots music has so much improvising and there's so much room for creativity that while we have arrangements for these songs, we do switch things up. And I very much like trying to take slightly different solos and mm-hmm. different ways of singing or I don't know, it's, it's really fun to... That's you know why playing live is so much fun because it's never the same and, and it's fun to embrace the fact that you aren't going to be able to play it as perfectly as you want. So it's fun to take chances and see what happens. And we are very fortunate to have an ensemble that is very, um, you know, that listens really well and is adjusting Mm -hmm. and paying attention to the other band members so they can feed off of whatever, maybe new direction you'd like to go.
0: So before we wrap things up, excuse me, um, let's do mention uh, the two other musicians who are with you
1: tonight. So Rachel Eddy out of Morgantown, West Virginia great fiddler, guitar player, singer. She's a great banjo player as well. And we met her at Clifftop, the big old time festival in West Virginia. I don't know, about seven or eight years ago, but struck up a nice friendship with her when she moved to the DC area a few years back and started performing with us. So Rachel will be with us. And then Alex Lacquemont on Upright Bass. He's out of Baltimore another musician who we met at Clifftop, and uh, he is also in Charm City Junction, and we're good pals. He's lived in my house as a roommate for a bunch of years, and uh, I should mention Clifftop uh, was a big highlight for us this past year. We go every year just to hang out and play tunes with other people and meet other musicians, and it's really the biggest gathering for old-time musicians in the world, and we were... uh, very fortunate this year to come in first place in the neo traditional band contest so oh, that congratulations was really, thank you it's really a big uh, a big uh, deal for us cuz we've been doing that contest for a while what was the division the neo traditional band contest what exactly do So they do, they do a traditional band contest for the uh, groups that are presenting old time you know in the traditional way right. and then they have on another night mm-hmm. they have a contest for bands that are taking the music in a slightly different direction maybe There's there's elements of the music that still retain the old time essence. But, um, you know, you might play original tunes, my father said, or you do arrangements that are certainly would not be confused for a traditional sound. Um, So with our combination of dulcimer and banjo, we played Gord and Mbira and took solos. And, you know, it, it wasn't the super straight ahead old time sound. And so we, uh, yeah, we did that contest this year and, and came first, Good for you.
2: which means that we have to go back next year <laughs> because we get to perform at the festival. Oh, so, okay. So, so that's, that's a deal. guaranteed yeah. spot. Yes. Yeah, so we play yeah, a good.
1: concert before the finals of the neo-traditional band contest right. next year, which should be fun. So yeah. we'll have to actually treat Clifftop like a gig now. Right. Well, Instead of just going to, to just hang start out vacation, out. Right. Are they going to pay you too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, a, that's even pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Good.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was, that was super fun. And uh, I, that's been the the main source of inspiration for a lot of my interest in old time music is going to festivals like Clifftop, where you can just sit down and relax and play tunes with anybody uh, and have those tunes in common, or I don't know, there's just an excitement to this kind of music where you can just um, on the spot, just start having this really cool interaction with somebody that you might not have otherwise known.
0: All right. Well, gentlemen, uh, it, Brad, it's great to have you back again, and Likewise. Ken, like yes. uh, uh, wonderful to welcome you back, and I hope it's not so long between visits. I hope so, too, uh, We well. need We need to work on our schedule and calendar to make yes. sure we can have you back here on a little bit more frequent basis. Uh, Brad and Ken Kolodner, thank you, gentlemen, and continued success. Thank you, Darren. Thank you.